What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the other side of the firewall podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest of cybersecurity news, as well as we highlight those movers and shakers and glass ceiling breakers, those people of color who made it to the other side of the proverbial firewall. My name is Ryan Williams, and as always, I'm joined by Shannon Times. What's up? What's up? And LeVon Maynard. Hey, welcome to the show. What is going on? And our special guest, we have Mike Ware. How are you doing? Greetings and salutations. There it is. Welcome to another great episode. Remember to tune in uh, throughout the week. So Monday and Tuesday, we have our topics. Wednesday uh, is today, so we're doing our uh, discussion. And then uh, Thursdays, we typically do a Ask Us SP. I don't have anything booked this week. And then Friday, we talk about everything else. We call it the weekly rundown. So if you're, uh, you're listening out of sequence, go back <laughs> and listen to the uh, beginning. And then, of course, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. The numbers are going up. So we want to keep it on that upward uh, trajectory. So we greatly appreciate that. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mike and then, uh, you know, find out a little bit of uh, what you do and how you do it. And then uh, we can take a discussion from there. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I've been uh, I've been a fan of the show for a while and um, enjoy listening to it on the way to work. It's uh, it's great bite sized uh, pieces and then get some different perspectives. So. Um, so Mike Ware, um, I joined the military in 1990. I did 10 years on um, aircraft maintenance for a B-1 bomber, and um, I worked on the defensive avionics systems. So if you ever heard of someone jamming radar, I kind of worked on the equipment that did that. Then um, I did college part-time, and um, they had a opportunity where I could get into ROTC for a one-year program and then commission. So I did that. And, and went into um, the officer side uh, I, and did IT for about 14 years after that, and then uh, retired. So um, that's, that IT experience was um, progressive, um, you know, lieutenant doing random stuff, but learned all aspects of comm. I think uh, National Air and Space Intelligence Center, we had about a million square feet of top secret space. So there was a lot of um, details to deal with. To deal with on um, on providing com, I think we had seven different networks in there, and each uh, we had special ordered fiber, so each network had its own color, so you knew which ones were going. Um, from there, I moved on to the 50th Com Squadron, which was in uh, Germany it, at the time. And uh, this this is this will feed into the next job. Is at the time it was the largest network in the Air Force. We had 22,000 users. Had to work with the German government on some stuff, and um, Pretty cool, pretty big. And then I went, the Air Force sent me to hacking school for my next job. And at, during that time is when they started rolling all the networks up into the Air Force network. And then I went to be director of operations at the, uh, oh, I'm going to make sure I get this right, the 39th. It's been a while, all the numbers are melting. And uh, did that for a while. And that job um, chewed me up and spit me out. It was uh, it was a lot, and and I think all of you know that. I think that's where um, we all met. So, uh, I retired. Uh, went to North Carolina, picked up a a quick stint as a um, security conference consultant for the Department of Transportation. Then, about a month after that, I um, got picked up as a CIO for the Department of Information Technology. Um, looking at the internal things, not to be confused with the state CIO. And then um, did that for two years, and there was an opportunity to be CIO for the Department of Environmental Quality in 2016, and I've been doing that ever since. 
So I've got uh, developers, IT, infrastructure. Um, we do our own desktop support. Uh, so pretty much uh, encompass all of those all those features. That's that's awesome. Thank you for for breaking it all down. Uh, so because I, I didn't I didn't know that you were previously listed um, myself. So I definitely learned something new today. So that's that's also awesome. Um, so yes, we we do have that that connection, which is crazy, right? It's a very small world, even though we're all over the world right now. Um, I saw your name, uh, uh, and you said you like the podcast. I was like, that sounds so familiar. I know him from somewhere. And then when I looked into <laughs> your uh, your bio, I was like, oh, he he was my boss's boss's boss. <laughs> so we we uh, we definitely had that uh, that experience for for some time. Um, and then all of us uh, were at at, at um, uh, Langley. Uh, at the same time as well. So that's definitely cool. Uh, but then aside from just saying, hey, I like the show, uh, I like what you guys are doing, you also wanted to come on. You was like, hey, I have, um, there, there. you guys have discussions uh, revolving around diversity and inclusion and, uh, and hiring because um, the, the platform itself is, you know, for people of color who are seeking uh, to either break into cybersecurity or um, they're already on their journey and they're trying to, you know, get that upward mobility. Um, and I was like, you know, that, It'd be great for you to come on to, to discuss the topic uh, as um, as best as we can, obviously, um, and just get your insight into uh, to what you're seeing uh, with the the hiring and what have you. Um, so I, I I pretty much leave the floor open to you. I like for it to be like open dialogue. So if, you know the the other guys want to jump in as well. I just like to keep the conversation moving. Yeah. So yeah. So one of the things um, I talk to you, you don't ever hear me while you're doing while, while you're doing the podcast and um, all sorts of things. But one of the things is your opening is um, talking about glass ceiling breakers and people who made it to the other side of the podcast or the other side of the firewall. And, um, you know, so I, I'm a white male. What do I have to add to this conversation? But, you know, I take the training, I read all the articles. Um, one of the things that I know I struggle with and some of my peers struggle with is that it's, it's a risky conversation to have. So we, we do all the things and um, I know, so in my career, I talk to a lot of people and, and this, this has been true in the military, it's true in the civilian world. I can say, hey, um, morning everybody, we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, the sky is blue. And so a, a portion of that people, they'll, they'll be like, I don't know what you said. I think you said you like the color blue. Another portion of the people will say, yep, I get it, the sky is blue. There'll be some people who say, you know, the sky in the morning is pink and at night it's, it's black. And so technically you're wrong. And then there'll be a small percentage of people who get angry. It's like, who are you to tell me that the sky is blue? And that is just a statement, the sky is blue. So if I start having open dialogues about um, a conversation about diversity and inclusion and race, then, you know, that some people might say, oh, that's great. That was a good conversation. Other people might say, um, he was just talking, he just had a racist conversation and that would be, gets to HR. So it's kind of scary um, to put yourself out there and um, which is what I'm doing now. Um, but I don't think we can move forward without having the conversations. Um, Cause you know, I was, I, I should have done more homework before this podcast, but um you know, the, the report from 2020 said 83% of the IT executives are, are white male. And um, 
how do we get that better? Um, I know I, I have some diversity in my staff and um, I want to try to stay away from details of my current staff, but right. um, it's tough to, how do you get that higher? I think you get, it's definitely underrepresented um, in, the, in the field. And one of the things that I had a disadvantage of is being in the military, which the way the military machine works, I think I felt it was a little bit more fair. Um, as far as the the training and the opportunity um, for people of color to the civilian world in the states, you know, our our minimum for all of our IT jobs is a is a four year degree, and sometimes that's hard to, to get for people of color um, just to break in. So, um, just looking at you, your perspective, what 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 other things can people like me who are leaders and and want to have more diversity and inclusion um, have the conversation, have a safe conversation for both sides. Um, and I, so, so, go ahead, Rob. I was gonna, you go ahead. I was going to say, so yes, like the, the stats are definitely not in our favor. And and the part of the reason for starting a podcast, not only because I was going uh, crazy under uh, quarantine because of the travel restrictions and whatnot. So I was stuck in a hotel room. So I was like, hey, I want to start this thing. And they, uh, these, these two guys were like, yeah, we should start this thing. Um, it was the uh, articles I was reading where we were only making up uh, 7%. We're only making up 9%, people of color, that is, uh, in IT. But yet in the military, like you said, like diversity is so much higher. So like, I'm surrounded by people of all different backgrounds, ages, uh, orientations, everything, right? And I think a lot of that comes down to the, the military doesn't, uh, doesn't stovepipe in that regard. It's kind of like, hey, we have a bunch of uh young you know they're not kids anymore they're everybody's an adult who uh, who joins um and they all have potential so we will uh take them break them down uh to to be a team and then then we will teach them a skill set i think it's the it's the opposite out there in the civilian world right you're you're looking for people who already have experience i think that that is part of the hindrance in itself because uh, you're not necessarily building people from the ground up and then um there's a little bit of tribalism, right? I haven't been there. I don't know it per se. But when you say that 83% of uh, those who are uh, in charge of companies are white males, you'd think that some of it is based upon, and potentially, right? I'm not a white male, but I'm just uh, trying trying to uh, make sense of it. Would be, you know, you hire people who look like you. You hire people who are within your culture. You hire people you have a, a connection with, uh with uh without actually having to to speak to them right you can kind of just sometimes judge a book by its cover and that i think that also causes the issue um but that's just my take on it so so i'll I'll tell you this something that you did bring up that i I know does happen you will always have those people out there that are obstructionists you know what i mean they're always going to have an issue with whatever you say right doesn't matter right they will say the sky is pink they'll say it turns black you know in the middle of the day or whatever it is but um you can't and I understand I, 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 not being a white male as well, right? Like I, I know how bad it can go if someone does come out and say, hey, I think this was a racist conversation, you know, especially in, in these times, like that could be really bad for you. It could possibly cost you your job, right? But what I will tell you is to not be fearful of having the conversation like you were saying, right? And um, a way you could possibly go with it, and I don't, I don't know if with your job they actually do this, but reassure um, reassuring people of color, like, hey, there are avenues for you to take if you feel like something is going wrong. Like, reassure them that um, it is something that's taken seriously in your work in your workplace. You know what I mean? Um, now, 
Um, the thing with the eighty-three percent, I think the reason behind that was something that was kind of alluded to with with the uh, with the degrees and the schooling, right? So people, when you look at a resume, when you see these these um, better-known schools that these people have attended, you know, that's one of those things where that opportunity doesn't necessarily make it to the minority community. You know what I mean? If you see somebody that has, you know, one of these big universities on there, Georgia Tech, Alabama, whatever it may be, you look at that and you're like, oh, they're well-established, you know, know a lot of money will go into those programs, but the HBCUs, you're just, you're not informed as to what they're doing, right? And that's some of the things we do on the show is that we put those stories out there like, hey, these HBCUs are getting money from Google, from Microsoft, you know what I mean? Um, there is more money going into this. And sometimes it's just a matter of they need that chance. Now, here's the thing. When I say that, I'm not saying pick them if they're not qualified, right? That's not what I'm saying at all. But, um, and and, and I know how this is going to sound, right? And I don't want it to sound like this, but maybe give them that opportunity at that tiebreaker, right? If it's a tiebreaker, if it's somebody that, okay, yeah, you have everything, but if this person went to Alabama, this person went to Howard, right? Give Howard a shot, you know what I mean? Um, and that's just one of those things that um, is probably not happening as much, you know what I mean? And, and, and I kind of understand it, right? And we, we had this conversation, it was um, Dr. Gabriel, right? She went to Stanford, was it? Was it Stanford? I believe so. Went to? Yeah, so like she had, like even with her having a big name college on there, she went to, she got her four-year degree at Stanford and then she did her, where, where did she go after that? She went somewhere else after that. It was like Harvard or Yale or something, right? Mm-hmm. She had another, another one after that. But even that, you know what I mean? didn't help her when it came to her getting cut by Google, right? Yeah, Google. Um, yeah. But it's just one of those things where they they just wanna they just wanna think everything is fair, right? And and I'm not saying don't over talk it either, right? Because like if you over talk it and you do too much talking about it, they're gonna think it's fake, right? If yeah. you're like, no, you're you know what I mean? Like, oh you're you're gonna be my brother, you're gonna be this, that, and the third, but like, no, you're we're we're going to be fair here. It's gonna be fair for you, like it's fair for everyone else. You know what I mean, and I think that's that's probably a, a route to go to make it to make it to where um, it really just feel welcoming to them. You know what I mean? Because like they know when the BS is being poured on too, right? They're like, eh, I don't know about that, right? Because if you're going that hard, then maybe they think you're hiding something. Does that make sense, Mike? Like, am I? Oh yeah, no. I mean, right. Just working backwards is um, yeah. I I feel it if I'm not being sincere. I can hear it in my own words. So I don't want right. fooling anybody. Um, so I think uh, Ryan, you had mentioned and, um, and Shannon also. So one of the things is a lot of jobs are, are gotten word of mouth. Right. And, uh, right. And, and who, you know, and um, you know, I have a lot of white males in my, um, as friends on LinkedIn and, that, so if you start looking at your your social connections and things like that, um, you you tend to have people of, of your same you know right. And like we do you. and we and we do put ourselves in silos. What I've been noticing, and we've talked about this in the past, you have like CISA and other organizations that'll do something called like pass the mic, where they'll put their uh, their uh, employees social or people of color, yeah, on social media. Like okay, well maybe the, uh, the the CEO is a white male or female or what have you, but uh, the director of this or the um, the manager of that is a person of color. So they'll pass the mic to them to give them a chance to put themselves out there. And then that, that kind of diversifies the timeline, right? Like if, the, if you're only um, seeing a portion of the company, well, now you get to see multiple faces from the company. Um, 
I've also seen where there's a big push to make your uh, diversion inclusion um, director or operator, whatever you might call them for your organization, a person of color, right? Because um, then that allows them to make people feel um, a certain way about your company, like, hey, like they're they're you know they're welcoming and they, you could greet me or whatever, but this person is in charge of diversity and inclusion. It's not per se, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, bash white males or like this is that the companies are dominated with white men. Uh, I think women only make up like maybe 20% now, 23%. I can't remember what the last stat was. Uh, and then the majority of those being white women uh, as well. But when it comes to uh, women of color, uh, men of color, uh, I've seen a lot of companies get kudos because their their DNI um, director is a person of color. Um, and then they're able to, in the case of, uh, I wanna say it was either Amazon or Google, um, the the, uh, the the black woman who was in charge of diversity inclusion, she went after those STEM programs for uh, HBCUs because she had connections, like you said, like probably the majority of her timeline are people of color who graduated from HBCUs. So she has that um, that presence she's seen it all the time. So she kind of knows who to headhunt for, and you're getting the, the best of their their STEM programs and what have you. So I, th I think there's there's avenues without being. Uh, uh abruptly uh unfair or being seen as racist um it's just having that dialogue like like this right it's like having those conversations um i don't, I don't want to cut off levon no no worries i was i was thinking about some things i was thinking from like another perspective as well i mean obviously i'm the big uh, big focus right now we're talking about um you know the hiring process of like making sure that you know we have diversity in the workplace and uh, I'm kind of thinking about it also from another perspective, um, as well as like, you know, also we know, you know, the U.S. is made of, you know, uh, the um, the statistics. There's a larger proportion of Caucasians in the in the U U.S. So it's kind of natural that you know you see a lot more Caucasians in various roles, whether it's in you know uh, upper management things like that. Um, but what I what I also want to kind of think about or talk about potentially is the you know, kind of the communities that are kind of underserved so that, you know, we get more pools of, you know, potentially qualified um, people of color to to fill these roles. Because I feel like that also kind of plays into the hiring practices and the chances that we can get more more people represented in these communities or these companies. Um, because also, we, you know, we have an issue with, uh, you know, it goes back, you know, generations of uh, the history of, of America, but, um, you know, more likely than not, you know, if you're a person of color, you're more likely than a person that is uh, a Caucasian descent or, or, or uh, you know, uh, European descent to be in a, uh, a lesser, like an underserved community, um, just statistically, I guess speaking, just because we have like the history of where, you know, some people weren't, didn't have as many opportunities as they, as, as others coming up. Um, but I think if there's something that, that is maybe focused on a little bit, um, to be able to kind of bring up these communities that are kind of underserved. And I know we talked about on the podcast before uh, some of the, the movements from like Google and some other companies have been, been trying to establish uh, tech hubs and some of like the uh, more, um, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, places where people of color are, are, uh, are make up the, the larger population, larger portion of the population to kind of give them those chances to kind of learn uh, and, and get those jobs and those big tech companies and get those, you know, high paying uh, opportunities to uh, kind of make a difference in the community. Yeah, I think, Shannon, you brought that up in a, 
couple of weeks ago on a podcast is um was it google or apple coming into atlanta yeah yeah yep. you know moving yeah. so you you have a bigger pool of, of potential candidates yeah right. because because the population there was yeah, yeah the population i think it was like 50 percent, 52 percent, or something like that in atlanta was was people of color but uh, so, something else to think about mike so i don't i don't know how feasible it is with your job either right but like have you ever thought to have uh, i don't necessarily want to say an amnesty day but like have a sit down with the minorities that work there to say hey if we're going to look into hiring practices and, and increasing diversity, what can we do? Like what maybe did we not do with you that you would have liked to have seen? Or maybe that we didn't, you know what I mean? That we didn't do. Um, I mean, ask the people that are right there because because here's the thing. Um, they may have had pause before they got hired on, right? Like there may have been something there that was like, uh, maybe got them on the fence before they got hired on. Or uh, because they're already they're already in the culture, they'll know like, hey, bring this up to them that we do, right? Because this is something I like since I've been in that you guys do that may be, uh, you know, rewarding to them or something that they that they liked, you know, from from being a minority. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll give that some thought. We have, um... so we it have- It may not um... be feasible. I know it may not be feasible, yeah, the, I know. <laughs> the, the HR things, but you know, I, I mean, there's, there's things I can do at my level because we have hiring managers. Um, I know my sections, so I have diversity, but I have, they're siloed. Like my diversity is like in this section, it's it's not diverse. It's diverse from the rest of the team, but it's right. not diverse, right? So I have these pockets of diversity. Um, so, uh, but that, I, I like that idea. And um, I've, I've had some conversations, but I'll be honest, I haven't put myself out to the entire team. Uh, it's been kind of siloed into uh, the, the managers. Right, which which is understood, uh, and and I get how it, from the other side it could feel um, like I, I I there's a lot of things I can say uh, and it's crazy, right? Like now I think about it, there's a lot of things I can say or do in the military that it seems like I will not be able to do once I uh, transition uh, over to the civilian side. Like when it comes to um, diversity or when it comes to um, uh, just fairness, um, I, I'm able to voice my concern a lot more. Like the the military seems to be more, um, uh, they listen a little bit, input. yeah, more accepted, more accepted. Like, hey, listen, this is why I feel like things are, things are happening, what have you. So that transition is going to be kind of hard. Uh, I can see that already. Um, but when it comes down to um, hiring practices, like, what would it potentially be? Um, like, okay, if if uh, D and I, like we said, target that person to be a person of color, but what about when it comes to just HR in general? Um, maybe maybe the diversity there could help to uh, to also bring people in because I I I get like um, the the being siloed and the the skill gaps and the things of that nature. So it is pretty hard um, uh, to hire people with experience. But then it comes down to it like we're going to do an article uh, either Monday or Tuesday uh, that deals with the uh, the skill gap. So they're, they're saying that there's potentially more breaches caused by not having uh, people with skill. In positions um so what about the the home growing like how hard is that from your perspective to say okay we're going to pick up people who aren't nece aren't necessarily experienced and then make them who we want them to be uh, and then yeah maybe lose some of them through attrition right um but that, that, is, that, my, that is my preferred method because gotcha. i i um you get so many unknowns um well i mean one of the problems just 
point blank is we just don't get the candidates. Um, HR does have a, a, it's good. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing where we're not, you can't tell a race or gender from the applicant, right? Um, I mean, you can, but not always, right? When you, you know, if you see a, Let's, let's be real. So I'll, I'll say it for you, Mike. Like if you see Daquan, you know who that is, right? Well, like, or, or like, a I, I get what you're saying, but yeah. like, but but here's the thing, right? You, because I've often thought about this, right? So like, even if you say, okay, no names on the applications, right? Eventually, you're going to have to interview, right? You have to, you have to, you have to sit there and see the person. That could still be something that that, depending on the person's attitude, could be a disqualifier, right? If they see them and they're like, oh, okay, they're you know, this color or whatever, that could still be an issue because I like I've I've put thought into this, like, how do you how do you get m- more um, people of color opportunities at these jobs? And I was like, OK, we'll just keep a name off, just show the resume, show what their experience is, and that should get them the job. But no, you like there's no way that you just hire them on without talking to them, right? Because like they get everything you need, but then they can't talk to people or whatever. You don't know that until you see them in person. So that's still, you know, a roadblock there, you know? Yeah, that, right. so, that, that eventually comes up. But like, if you're, when you're looking at the entire pool to select who you're going to move forward to interviews. But at this time, I think it's been longer than just COVID. So it's been about three years. We're just not getting enough candidates. I, mean, I, so there's, there's I would, I would say we don't get anybody of color, except in India, we get a lot of candidates from India. Right. Uh, so I would say then it, it like again, I'm not on a business or what, or what have you, but I would say it's the, it's the targets. So it's the um, going, going to send yourself up a booth or job fair in a uh, area that's predominantly people of color or to target an HBCU or to target a program that has a STEM program that, that uh, has a large candid pool of people of color. I think you have to uh, not necessarily um, bias the pool but you have to target i think like okay we want more people of the we want more diversity because that brings uh new perspectives it brings culture to the uh to the organization it makes us better right because we're not all of the same mindset or the same thought process so how do we find that okay we need to go to them so like when they want military people like you there's a job for on every base like we want people who already have you know uncle sam's already paid for the uh the certifications and education and then we also get the discipline and we know they're going to be on time, right? Like you, you set up your targets. You're like, okay, this will be a good pool to add to our organization. And then you aggress on it. The same thing I, I believe can be done for uh, communities of, of people of color. You're like, okay, well, we know what we want. We just have to go, go get them. Cause I, I tell you now that I just, it could be a discouraging factor uh, when you do look into a company and you see that the, the board and everybody down, like your top 10, are all, all white males. Like, you're like, well, I don't know if that company is gonna be a good fit for me. Um, but if you are targeting them, like, no, we, we want you. We want you to be part of the company because you bring, you know, the factors that we don't necessarily have because we, we are um, uh, uh, homogenous, I guess, would be the, the word. I'm trying to use a big word there, but we're, you know what I mean? Like, we're all of the same. We all think very similarly, potentially, you know what I mean? Like there's diversity within uh, uh, every culture, but um, let's be real. Like diversity brings a lot to the table. We see in the military, like I'm, I'm baffled by how much diversity we have um, and how much kind of leniency we have compared to our civilian counterparts. Like that, that is 
starting to scare me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but that's, that's just my two cents. I don't want to go on a rant. I, so, I do so, want to come back to, to Shannon real quick. Is This is where I get most of my wins is promoting within, is really targeting those, those self-starters. Um, we had an opportunity just um, to have um, Black female killing it, just killing it. And so we were really, um, really happy that we were able to move her up um, in the organization. Um, that, but promoting within is, is by far the, the easiest for me. I have, my hands are tied a lot with HR practices, but um, that I, I, I try to give uh, that opportunity first. So, so it, that's good. That's, that's a good success story, actually, right there. It's good to hear, right? Um, um, cause it's one of those things where if that was not the case for her, right? Like it's like the, what was it called? The three ten rule, everything bad that happens to you, you tell 10 people, everything good. You only tell three, right? So like, it's one of those things where that's a good thing. So now granted, she's probably only going to tell three people, right? It's not going to be the 10, but you avoided those 10, right? Yeah. Um, but like, um, so what Ryan was talking about when it comes to advertising, right? So like going out to those minority areas, but, but even then something that, I don't think, I don't know the hiring practice, right? But like really shouldn't cost you anything. I'm, I can guarantee you on social media, you can look and there are um, different groups on social media that are, oh, yeah. that are minority people of color for IT in that state. I can almost guarantee you, you can find it. You know what I mean? So it's just going to be a, a, a bit. So BIT, Blacks and uh, Black, Blacks and Information Technology, there's going to be um, a Blacks and Cybersecurity, so BCA. Uh, and then you, uh, you can always replace Blacks with uh, Hispanics. There's uh, Indigenous uh, peoples. Um, uh, there's uh, WICYS, so W-I-C-Y-S. That's a big organization um, for uh, uh, women in cybersecurity. Uh, there's chapters everywhere. So like, even when I go back and look at Tampa, like it's, it's, it's so many chapters, it's like, I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so I would assume in, in your I like state, that. yeah. There's gonna be a lot of. I well. mean, I share some jobs on um on my on my social media, but uh, I I could probably get more active and also expand that target. And, and 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 I'm gonna tell you now, I'm not the social media guy. Like I have just heard Ryan mention them on the podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as time has gone by, so I was like, I know they're out there because Ryan has said, "Hey, this, that, and the third. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I, would, I was plugging. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yes, uh, so because I, I tag Blacks as cybersecurity in every post, um, because they they they're they're always um, they have um, uh, vouchers, they have training, they help people with resumes, like there it's a, a really big organization. But there there's a ton of others, so I don't want to uh, uh, eclipse them as well. Like uh, 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 Wesis, like that, that one's huge for uh, women who are getting into cyber. Um, and I remember on one of the podcasts we listed like the top top ten that we found, like top ten period, but it's just top ten that we were definitely interested in uh so i'll start tagging those uh more frequently but uh, just the tags help out like when i whenever you at somebody on social media like they take that um and usually retweet it or they uh they share it if it's twitter um forever long twitter is going to still be um free <laughs> we we don't know um but yeah, I, I would definitely say tags definitely help. And then uh, that, that can also go to your uh, HR department when they're advertising. So I, I see a lot of LinkedIn um, recruiters and headhunters who, who uh, 
who are out there looking for people with uh, certain backgrounds and things of that nature. And then you also get the benefit of getting a bio and a picture, right? Um, so you, you get to see the person before they hit the ATIS system and the computer, you know, starts to cut candidates off. Yeah. Um, Cause I know that's, I know that's huge as well. Like that, that is the, the biggest barrier is not necessarily um, uh, the human at the HR department is the system before you even get to the human that um, kind of negates all, all of your work um, just off based off a resume. So I, I get that as well. Yeah. It's interesting that um, and it's good to hear that there's, there's people teaching that because we've had qualified people that we knew were going to apply for a job and they didn't get, they didn't make it through to the, to the, to, to right. our select. And because it was some box they didn't check or they didn't put the right combination of words. And um, right. then you have to, again, HR in the state is not much different than in the military and the civilian side. It is, you know, you, you're like, okay, if you don't get that, that candidate, you have to repost. You can't, you can't just say, well, we'll put that person through because then, then you're violating, some, you're potentially violating somebody else's rights. So, right. just, and that is someone we knew, we told them, and, and we knew they were qualified and still not making it through the computer piece. Mm, got you. So that, that's, that's, so another, that's another benefit you get um, from the military, right? So like, uh, I've, there's several, like, countless organizations like I went through hiring uh, hiring heroes who wrote the the resume rewrote my resume to make it ADIS friendly um so I don't know if something like that can be offered because at, at that point like you're, you're kind of dipping into like um burning your own resources and money just to make sure people are, are ready and what have you it's just something that has to be um taught or shared like I know there's people on Facebook and uh on LinkedIn like they charge for it though but it might be worth the uh the money but then again we go into underserved uh, uh underserved communities yeah. and things of that nature like you're putting more of a burden on them um another advantage for for white people who come from the bigger colleges who come from money who can afford this kind of service right because i've seen i've seen it range anywhere from 50 to 500 dollars for um uh resume rebuild and their candidates are, are making making good money doing it but again like you said like it's that's putting burden on the community at that point. Like, okay, now we need you to also pony up money. Just you have to pay to play type situation. Yeah. Um, so I can see that being a hindrance. Um, but uh, I, again, um, like like you said, um, growing them within. So once you actually get them through and then, uh, you know, growing them within, I think that's that's a great idea. Um, I, I, I would still say uh, diversity and inclusion, like having that person be, uh, of, of the minority group, I think that helps out. Like, I don't, again, like it's a touchy situation, right? Where you have to pick and choose your battles. You don't want to get in trouble, but I've seen companies do it on purpose. Like I'm, I'm seeing like Google and Amazon and, and, and so forth, they're getting away with it. So there must be some, some way uh, of doing it. And not to, not to, I'm sure you already have a person in there. Don't fire them. <laughs> I'm not that no, to this, fire them. <laughs> it's outside my span of control, so. But maybe, maybe add like make, make a bigger team, right? Like so you can have those tough conversations, and they can they can help you in that regard. Uh, and then uh, having the conversation at your level, like, um, there's something there's something to be said about the boardroom talk because uh, I equated to uh, uh, dining room table, like you know, like at home. Like we have to have those tough conversations. Like um, you have to, you know, sit down with your kids and talk about race and talk about um, 
all the factors that go into it, like why are things the way they are? Like what, what is the, the topic of the day? You know, like what has happened in the media and uh, how can we discuss it and break it down to their level? I think the same thing should be happening in the boardroom. Um, again, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not there, I'm not at that level. Um, but I think having those conversations like, hey, we all kind of look the same. <laughs> we all kind of have the same mindset. Maybe we should start thinking about things a little bit differently. Maybe we should get somebody in here who can uh, add to our perspective and make our company even that, that much greater. But yeah, that's my, my two cents. Um, I, I do want to put a, um, a tag in there for um, the, the state of North Carolina as the Department of Environmental Quality and Information Technology. They, they, they have been putting um, people of color in that, those, those positions. Um, so I think, I think that's good. Was but, awesome. They don't, you don't get everybody's picture. I'm, I'm one level lower, so I'm not, my picture's not on the website either. So, gotcha. um, but yeah, when you do look at the picture. That's a travesty, Mike. That's a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good. And then when, when yeah. the, um, when the social media presence of the company speaks, like, you know, uh, put those individuals in the, in the, in the limelight, um, just to advertise, like, hey, look at our company. Our company is, uh, you know, <clears throat> working towards being more diverse, um, and we want you on board. Like, we want to bring you in because, um, uh, again, like the ADA system does uh, hurt people. But like, if you have a mass amount of people all applying, someone's going to get through to get to a, a real human being, and then that's when you can start making those connections. Yeah. But. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode, but I, I definitely want uh, to give you the ability to plug anything you want to plug um, before we move on. I start doing all the uh, the outro stuff. Is there any uh, website or anywhere you want people to connect with you? Anything like that? Oh, I am not prepared for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. you, can, you can find the uh, North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality on LinkedIn and Twitter by putting all those words together. Other if you if you abbreviate any of them, you're you're gonna miss it. Got you. That's perfect. And then so uh, at the in the description in the or the bottom of this um, uh, wherever you're seeing this at, like wherever the description is at for this episode, we'll include all of your tags and everything that you want to share with us. Uh, so definitely look out for that. Uh, definitely continue to, to to tune in. I definitely in, enjoyed this conversation. I hope we can have more like it uh, in the future. Like discussion episodes are always the always the best, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Definitely hit us up at the, uh, all of our social medias uh, that go by our name, the other side of the firewall podcast. Uh, look out for our posts on, uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, under Tech Connectors, uh, as well as um, Spotify for the video. And then audio can be found everywhere. You can listen to audio. We're pretty much on every platform. Um, you can hit me up personally. I'm at RyRy Security Guy. That's R-Y-R-Y Security Guy. I'm on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. And you, LaVon? Yes, sir. You can hit me up on the Twitters at LaVon Maynard. There it is. Stay safe. Stay secure. <laughs> Take care.